you're listening to the Fighting Irish Faithful Show, where we are not afraid to give you hard doses of reality. Tonight, we're going to explore how Notre Dame is potentially their own worst enemy, just as the song suggests. And we are going to give you some hard, hard truth and some shadowing, some scary stuff. I know Halloween's on its way, so definitely sit down, pour yourself at least two drinks, strap it in, and let's go, Irish. Three wide receivers right. They're going to go for two. Back to throw. Walsh looks, looks, looks. Has the time. Lost the ball. The pass is set it down. It's right down by two. Golson open receiver in the end zone. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Somehow, the Irish did it. Out of the pack, 30, 35, goodbye baby, at the 50, the 40, the 30, the 20, the 10, five by rocket touchdown, Irish. Zimbikowski looking for a block, touch to the right to the 40, gets a block, gets to the 45, 50, up to the 45, 40, 30, one man to beat, 20, 15, 10, he's done to the 5, touchdown Irish. What is going on, Fighting Irish Faithful, thank you for joining me tonight, welcome back. And uh, thank you for everyone who followed me this week. I got a couple more followers on Twitter, which is faithful underscore Irish on the Twitter. Uh, The YouTube channel, I think we have one more subscriber, so that's nice. Uh, You can find me on YouTube at Fighting Irish Faithful. Thank you, everyone, for joining me tonight. And uh, we're going to get right into it. Uh, We're going to hit the ground running. Uh, Because it's going to be a little fiery and peppery tonight, uh, we're going to have some hard truth and hard reality. We're going with a Kirkland Signature Blended Scotch Whiskey of 12 years. This is the bottle we used for the Brian Kelly episode. Go back. I believe that was episode 5. Go ahead and check that one out. And it's going to be a similar wavelength. We're going to throw a lot of stats around about where Notre Dame is right now. And quite frankly, it's a little bit of a gut check, a little bit of reality check because we have been hurt before, Notre Dame fans, and of course you come to me for some, a uh, little bit of entertainment, and but for some of the stats, some of the reality, and uh, let's get into it. So Notre Dame is 4-0, 4-0, that's all that matters, rises to third in the AP and coaches poll after defeating the Louisville Cardinal. And yes, that's Louisville. Some of you out there on your podcast, you're still saying Louisville. Stop it. Stop it. Say Louisville. Get it right. You're making me yell in my car as I listen to you. Stop it. Get it right. All right. Notre Dame defeats Louisville 12 to 7. Not sexy at all. It sounds very uh, 1924, you know, like Notre Dame versus Army uh, in, you know, Yankee Stadium or something. Or, you know, even 2012, 2012 had a lot of, you know, heavy defense, uh, very low scoring, and, you know, we just survive in advance. That That's kind of how this game felt. So let's get into the good. Obviously, we won. You know, uh, that's always a good thing. Losing is obviously never good. Winning is always good. So that there's number one. Number two, Notre Dame amasses 232 rushing yards that is absolutely fantastic i love seeing my irish putting up rushing yards hashtag rtdb cup overfloweth notre dame is ranked seventh right now in all of college football averaging 261 rushing yards a game 
top 10, love it. That is better than the national champion average, which is 166. So almost a whole hundred yards more than a national champion. Love it. In this past game, Notre Dame ran the ball 72% of the time. Again, hashtag RTDB. And it really is emphasizing that the rushing attack is the strength of this team. And it's really good to see Kelly and Tommy Reese using Notre Dame's ability to run the ball, control the clock, control the time of possession, and limit the opposition's opportunities to score. Now, unfortunately, what's happened in this game, and BK kind of talked about this, and I agree with him, is when you hold the ball more, you also limit your opportunities to score more. Uh, We'll get more into that later. Last and certainly not least, probably the most important thing, Notre Dame's defense holds Louisville to seven points. One score, one touchdown is really, really good. They had to cover the spread. Unfortunately, they didn't do that. Um, They had to score 42 points, but also, last and not least, limit our opponent to less than two touchdowns. So, check. That was done. So, that is the good that I am taking out of this game. Now we're going to get into the bad, and unfortunately the bad, I'm maybe overreacting here, but we've been hurt before. I've been hurt before fully investing in this team, and I'm not going to be uh, fooled anymore. Like, this is reality. This is what is happening. So let's get into the bad. 12 points. 12 points against Louisville, a team with one win, no wins in the ACC. That is unacceptable. 12 points. We needed to cover at least 24 points total to cover the spread, all right? And quite frankly, I would prefer if Notre Dame scored 42 or more points to be in the upper echelon elite category. You would think if Notre Dame is now ranked third, they're putting up mega points. They're not. They're putting up 42. That's not good. Go look at national champions of the last 10 years, ever since BK has been at Notre Dame, which is ironic because when BK left Cincinnati and came to Notre Dame, he was putting up 40, 50, 60 points at Cincinnati. Now he goes to Notre Dame with better talent, and he's putting up 12 against Louisville? Really? Hmm, don't like that. Let me put it in perspective here. I looked at other undefeated teams. Obviously, there's Clemson. Obviously, that's Alabama, right? But BYU is out there. BYU is undefeated. They are ranked sixth in Sagarin. With a strength of schedule of 51, they are averaging 43 points a game. Notre Dame is averaging 33 points a game. And Notre Dame actually fell in Sagarin to 27th. And they have a strength of schedule of 72. So why is Notre Dame ranked third in the AP, but 27th now in Sagarin? Well, it's quite frankly very simple. Notre Dame is not scoring enough points, and their opponents because Sagarin is all math. Their opponents are trash. Their opponents have a combined record of 5 and 16. That is why BYU, a team that isn't very sexy, is still ranked higher than Notre Dame and Sagarin. Now, college football is voted on, upon by coaches and beat writers, and, and there's a lot of perception out there. And quite frankly, I am happy that Notre Dame is ranked third. But do they deserve it? I'm a numbers guy. I am an evidence-based person. I am pessimistic, and I am being reserved, and I'm certainly not going to be getting on Twitter and saying, oh, Notre Dame's 4-0 and ranked third. 
right behind Alabama and Clemson. There's a huge drop-off between Clemson and Alabama. And if you don't think so, you need to be slapped in the face or you need to listen to this podcast more or drink some scotch. I don't know. So Notre Dame, one of the good things was they did rush for 232 yards, which is very good. However, there were zero touchdowns from our running backs. Our one touchdown came from Ian Book, who scrambled and got in the end zone. And that's fine. I have no problem with Book doing that. But that shouldn't be our only touchdown. All right. And then we ended up going for two, which is complete garbage, bad play calling. And I have no idea why we did that. So I went through Notre Dame's drives to figure out, okay, where did they go wrong? Are they passing when they shouldn't? Is it just bad luck? Notre Dame had a total of seven drives in this game. The first one ended in a field goal after doing three passes. We had an Ian Book scramble for a loss of yards, then he was sacked, and then he did a seven-yard pass when it was third and 16. Again, emphasizing that our passing really needs to be worked on. More to come on that. Second possession, field goal. We threw an incomplete pass, had a two-yard run, and then Book was sacked. Third possession, we punted. We just had a three and out, two short runs, and then he gets sacked again. These these are very poor things that are happening where we're not generating yards for some weird reason, even though we had 232 yards, but we're not capitalizing on third down. Our fourth possession was a turnover on downs. First down, sack. Then a four-yard run by Ian Book. Then an incomplete pass on third. And then fourth and nine, we run the ball? Fourth and nine? Really? Why are you all of a sudden running on fourth and nine? Is it because the other possessions didn't work? I really don't know. I'm really struggling to figure out what is the elixir? What is the strategy here? Fifth possession. Okay, we finally score a touchdown. However, here's the problem. We went for two. Why is Kelly going for two? It's not late in the game. Why is he chasing points? We were up at that point. There's no reason at all for Kelly to go for two, chase points, and do that. Again, bad play calling. Notre Dame's sixth possession was a punt. Two runs, a four-yard pass, and then a punt. And then last possession, one of our best, where we chewed the clock for about eight minutes, and we grinded it out, did not give Louisville the opportunity to get the ball back and score. So that last possession, I am okay. Of course, also the one that has a touchdown. But only seven possessions. So that is one of the the potentially backside of the sword that we're going to experience by going with a very run-based offense. We need to capitalize. We do need to score. But we're also not helping ourselves when Book keeps being sacked and we can't complete good passes for third and long situations. Speaking of passing, which was terrible, we were 11 and 19 and only threw 106 yards. Now, Passing yards is not the be-all and end-all, and I've proved this before in other podcasts, but the national champion averages 279 yards a game, and that is an average of 46th in the country. Notre Dame right now is averaging 179 yards, which is 64th, so we're less than that. And in this game, it's even worse, a team that's 1-4 now. So I'm, I'm very disheartened by that information. Part of the problem is Book is being frantic in the pocket. He's not stepping up into the pocket. And he was sacked four times. Beginning of the season, 
look at your Twitter. There was all this Notre Dame propaganda about, oh, we have this great offensive line, and oh, man, we're going to have all Americans, this, that, and the other. And we probably do. But why is Book being sacked four times? Are his receivers not getting open? Is Louisville have this great, amazing pass defense? I don't think so because they were ranked 31st in the country. At the point in time when we played them, they were averaging 233 yards for their opponents through the air. So that's not it. Let's look at the teams that have better passing offenses than Notre Dame. Teams like Liberty, Marshall, Louisiana, Monroe, Appalachia State. Are you kidding me? Come on, all right? We're not Michigan. Appalachia State beats Michigan. Why does Appalachia State have a better passing offense than Notre Dame? Unacceptable. Coming into the game, Louisville was ranked 47th in the country in sacks per game. They averaged 1.75. They were 31st in pass defense as, with 233 yards, as I mentioned before. And they got four sacks on us and 106 yards. WTF. Book right now, of all starting college quarterbacks, is 58th in yards per game. He is 63rd in touchdowns, and he is 42nd in completion percentage. Here's something else that is also disappointing in this game. There were absolutely no turnovers. Last year, Notre Dame was third in the country in total turnovers for the season. This year, we're even at zero. We've had as many turnovers that we've recovered as we have lost. So it's not just on the offensive line. It's not just on book. Look at the receivers here in this game. Our top receivers, in my opinion, are Braden Lindsey, Kevin Austin, a.k.a. Cheat Code, and Tommy Tremble. Tommy Tremble, one reception. Mayer, one. Lindsey, zero, which is a sin. And Kevin Austin won. Is Lindsey hurt? What's the deal with him? Is he academically ineligible? Does he have COVID? Does he have a concussion? Does he have a gimpy ankle? I don't know because I don't I don't read a lot of the beat writers, okay? But I'm not seeing a whole lot out there explaining why Lindsey is not doing well. I always feel that every year Kelly always has one of his players, a really good flashy offensive player, who's not getting not getting the ball. In 2014, it was Greg Bryant, okay? Years after that, it was Dexter Williams. Is now it Braden Lindsay, and he's just going to end up transferring next year? What the hell is going on? We had the, one of the fastest guys on the field. He should be out there returning punts. Speaking of punts, why the heck do we have a walk-on, Mr. Salerno? I'm sure he's a nice guy, all right? So I don't want to kick him, right? And he's probably just doing what Kelly told him to do. But he's not dynamic, and no one's blocking for him. So why is he back there? Okay, put Chris Tyree in there. Put Brayden Lindsay in there. Get somebody back there with some jiggy joystick moves like Tom Zibikowski, Joey Gethrall, or Rahib Ishmael. Come on, even Greg Bryant was back there or Josh Adams. So one of those guys. Brayden Lindsay, Kevin Austin, anybody at this point. Shit, put Tommy Tremble back there. He'll probably be awesome, all right? Not Salerno, all right? Is it a Polian thing? Do we need to block the punt team better so our guy has actual time to wait for the hang time, allow the ball to be caught so he doesn't have three guys standing around him? I don't know what's going on, but 
punt return has always been this huge problem. And the only time I've ever seen Notre Dame be very successful at it was when we played UMass in 2015. Go back and watch that. That was a really sick run, by the way. Everything I've just bitched and complained about was against a team that's 1-4. and four. You heard that right. Notre Dame is ranked third, but our opponents are terrible. All right, Duke, 1-5. USF, 1-4. Florida State, 2-3. Nice win, by the way, by those guys. I hope they turn their season around in some way, shape, or form because it makes us look slightly better. And then Louisville, 1-4. 5-16. There's no denying this. There's no sugarcoating this. Our, our competition sucks, okay, right, that we have played so far. And our schedule is only getting harder, all right? We got Georgia Tech coming up. We got Pitt this week. And then, oh, by the way, the number one team in the country is coming up two weeks from then. Compare Notre Dame's score of 12 to 7 to number one, Clemson, and number two, Alabama now. Clemson, 73 to 7 over Georgia Tech. Alabama, 41 24 over Georgia. Have, did you watch those games? They were lightening it up. I was so jealous of Alabama. I was so jealous of Clemson. And we're putting up only 12 points versus frickin' Louisville? Come on, Notre Dame. So ask yourself, Notre Dame fan, do we really deserve to be ranked third? I want us to be third. I want us to be elite. I want us to be a national champion. But we're not playing like it. If we were playing at an elite level, we would be beating the shit out of every team like we did Florida State and like we did USF. Two out of the four is not good enough. It's not good enough. Here's another thing that's going to happen. I do think Notre Dame is going to beat Pitt this week, but what else is happening this weekend? The Big Ten is returning. The Big Ten will be playing, and someone like a Wisconsin, Ohio State, God forbid, Michigan, puts up huge numbers in their first game, all right, and beats the crap out of Purdue or something. Okay, Notre Dame will fall. Notre Dame needs to have an impressive win over Pitt to maintain that ranking of third. I guarantee it. The AP, the media, all of them are just drooling over the Big Ten, so excited that they're coming back. And if we do not show up, if we do not put Pitt in their place, you like that alliteration, Ohio State, Wisconsin, one of these guys who are probably going to be deserving of a high ranking will beat us out. All right. That's what's going to happen. So I started looking at the numbers. Why is Ian Book struggling? All right. I don't want to just be complaining here and poking the finger. I want to offer some constructive criticism or have a statistical numerical answer explaining why Ian Book may be struggling this year. And I thought, is it because of his receivers? Is it not necessarily his fault? His receivers are not getting open. They're not fast enough. They don't know the playbook. Who knows? I do know that Ian Book is missing guys that are wide the fuck open, but is it because Miles Boykin and Chase Claypool are not on the team anymore? So go back in time to 2017, where Ian Book first showed up on the scene and was throwing the ball around for Notre Dame. Everyone should remember the bowl game against LSU, where Notre Dame hit Miles Boykin who had a sweet move and a sweet catch to have the game-winning touchdown, all right? In 2017, that was the only touchdown he threw to Miles Boykin, none to Chase Claypool, of course. Book did have four total touchdowns, so one out of four, so 25%. 
In 2018, after taking over for Wimbush, Book threw a total of 19 touchdowns in 2018, and seven of them were to Boykin, four to Claypool, so that's 11. So 58% of all of his touchdown passes in 2018 were to those two guys. That explains how in the Cotton Bowl, Greg Venables of Clemson shut down Boykin and Claypool and did not take the two best receivers on our team, took them out, and hence Notre Dame only had three points. Last year, Book exceeded all expectations and threw for 34 touchdowns. Boykin, of course, had departed, but 13 of them were to chase Claypool for 38% of all of his touchdowns. Now, so there is no magic elixir or trend where most of Ian Book's touchdowns are over 50%, okay? But if you take into account Cole Komet, Chris Fink, and Tony Jones Jr. for their touchdown receptions, only 35% of Notre Dame's receiving touchdowns are left. So is it that Ian Book is no longer in sync with any of his receivers now that he's at his last year? He has a total of three passing touchdowns so far in four games, and that's not good. I expect more out of him being a senior, being a leader, being a captain, and being in this position to know Kelly's offense. There's no excuse why he is not throwing the ball better. So I didn't want to just stop there with Ian Book. I wanted to look at him versus other quarterbacks that are right now. And it only makes sense since Notre Dame is number three to look at the number one and the number two quarterback as well. And the numbers are not pretty. So far, Trevor Lawrence of Clemson has played five games, Alabama and Mac Jones and Ian Book, Notre Dame, have played four. Trevor Lawrence, 148 attempts. Mac Jones at Alabama, 115. Ian Book, 94 attempts. The completion percentage for these guys goes as follows. Trevor Lawrence, 73%. Mac Jones, 78%. Ian Book, 62. The national champion quarterback, on average, has a completion percentage of 66.8. These two guys above book are exceeding that expectation. Yards per completion, Ian Book, 12.3. Not bad, but Trevor Lawrence, 14.3. Mac Jones at Alabama, 16.9. Helps that Alabama has one of the best receivers in the entire country, too. But nonetheless, national champion quarterback, 13.5 yards per completion so ian book again falling short touchdowns per game national champion average quarterback throws 2.26 touchdowns a game trevor lawrence and mac jones both average three passing touchdowns a game ian book less than 1.75 not good and then my favorite stat touchdowns per attempt the national champion averages a touchdown eight percent That's about 1 out of 12 passes is for a touchdown. Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones are 10% both. 1 out of 10 of their passes is for a touchdown. Ian Book, 3%. It's terrible. It's abysmal. Here's another thing I wanted to look at for fun. Brian Kelly, his last season at Cincinnati, his quarterback was Tony Pike. Tony Pike 
had a completion percentage of 65%, Ian Book 62, yards per completion 11.4, Ian Book 12.3, so Book's got him beat there. Touchdown per game, 2.9, almost the same as Lawrence and Jones versus Ian Book's 0.75, and touchdowns per attempt, 8.5%, just on par with the national champion average, again, Book 3%. So Tony Pike at Cincinnati, his numbers on average are better than Ian Book this season. That is very disappointing and very disheartening. I'm not saying this to kick him. Ian Book needs a wake-up check, and so does Tommy Reese and Brian Kelly. They are headed into a huge, huge problem where our offense is going to be very one-sided, which is okay if you're Navy or Army or the United States Air Force Academy, but when you're Notre Dame, we demand more. We demand excellence, and we demand a balanced offense that will deliver excellent results. I really don't think that Notre Dame is putting on a ruse of crappy passing performance to somehow trick Clemson when they play him in two weeks. I don't think that's the case. Maybe it's not just Ian Book. Maybe it's not just the receivers. Maybe it's not just COVID. Maybe it's deeper than that. Maybe it's something about Notre Dame. Maybe it's something about the head coach. Maybe it's Tommy Reese. I'm not sure. But the in watching this game this weekend, I paid attention to what Kelly was saying in his pregame and his postgame and some of these other interviews he's had throughout the week. And some of his language is really getting under my skin. In his pregame talk, NBC's in the locker room. They're talking about, Kelly's talking about standards and the tools that the players have in order to execute. So he's talking about, you guys have what you need to go out there and do it. All right. So it's almost like Kelly has given them the play sheet. Here it is. You run this. You'll be fine. All right. And he's putting it all in the players. And I appreciate him giving the ownership to his players and to his leaders on the team to go get it done. But when that plan doesn't work out, you, the coach, need to be the leader and take charge and take ownership back on the team and say, this is what you got to go do. In his post-game sideline conference or press conference or interview with Catherine Tapperin, he was praising the defense, of course, which is fine, right? He didn't say that we scored touchdowns. He said we we scored goals instead of touchdowns. What the hell does that mean? That's the most coach speak of that. He wasn't talking about building goals and checking a box in this pregame. He was talking about having the tools to execute. So what are these goals, coach, that the team achieved? Is it the defense? Because the defense was awesome. We already knew that. All right. So then he blames our red zone scoring. And okay, there's a little bit of that, right? We should have had, you know, those two field goals could probably have been touchdowns. But Kelly's the one who went for two. And he's also the one that's making bad play calling him and Reese. So, okay, I'll give him that one. All right. But then he quickly turns it around and he's praising Louisville and their play and that, oh, this team is really good and they're so close to being elite and stuff. Yeah. And they were so close to almost kicking your ass and beating you. Okay. So he's just kind of standing there. He's got his hands in his pockets. and He's kind of just like shrugging like, oh, well, Louisville is good. And then he says, winning is hard. Winning is hard. What the hell kind of defeatist shit is that, coach? All right. Look, I am not a head coach. All right. But if I'm put in a position at my place of business to succeed, I work for a large company. 
I don't go in there and complain to my manager, oh, my work is hard, okay? That's a nice way for me to get a pink slip and see you next week, buddy, all right? Is Kelly really out there in public saying winning is hard, i.e. the entire objective of my job is hard to do? For God's sakes, Notre Dame, go ahead and send me a, a freaking paycheck for a fraction of what you're paying Kelly, all right? And I will not go up there and say winning is hard, all right? I guarantee it. Is this the standard of excellence that we expect at Notre Dame? No, it's not, all right? And he's saying, we just got to make plays. We got to make plays. Dude, it's your freaking job to coach, all right? It's your job to take ownership, prepare the team to ensure that they are making good plays. When they're not making good plays, that is your fault. Clemson and Alabama, they look prepared. They are making plays, and their coaches coaches are not on the sidelines saying, oh, well, we just got to make plays. You know, we just got to throw it to that guy. You know, no. And then one other thing Kelly said that really gets under my skin, and I hear this from a lot of people on Twitter, everyone is giving us their best shot. I hate that. That is the biggest excuse, right? BK is just deflecting all this stuff, right? You don't think Alabama and Clemson are getting their best shot because Saban has won five freaking titles, all right? And Dabo Sweeney has won two. They are definitely getting their best shot from everyone they're playing, all right? But they're still dominating, and Clemson's still putting up over 70 points against Georgia freaking Tech. So Kelly's deflecting, and he's like, he's so sly. He's so greasy in his kind of politician, used car salesman pitch. It, it just really is driving me up the wall, all right? Kelly, stop it, all right? Take ownership of the team. Just say, our offense didn't get it done. Our passing offense is weak. And by the way, if you are listening to this and you are a blogger, if you are a writer, stop throwing softball questions at Kelly. Why don't you ask him, hey, coach, your team only threw for 100 yards. The national champion threw over 20. Can you explain what's going on with a third-year starting quarterback? Here, a pin drop. Kelly will probably be like, oh, I don't know. Winning's hard. You know, Shut up, Kelly. All right? Get it right. Get it done. And if you are falling short, take ownership of it. That's on you. Here's something else that is probably way out in left field and I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on for. Kelly just got a contract extension. Is he getting lazy? Does he know that he's got he's sitting on a pile of money right now and he's just kicking back for the next four or five years or whatever it is? The last time Kelly got a contract extension was right after the 2015 season. The next season, the 2016 season, was abysmal. It was terrible. It was 4-8, and eight, and I think he should have been fired after that NC State game. I'm not saying Kelly is getting lazy, and I'm also not saying he's a bad coach, but I'm seeing the signs here. I'm looking at what he's saying. His demeanor on the sideline, his language he is using, these sound like excuses. He is avoiding the tough questions. He's certainly not getting the tough questions. And he is not taking ownership and identifying the problem. The problem is the passing game. The problem is you're not generating turnovers. All right. Do those two things. Have a more balanced offense. The defense is fine. The defense is great. All right. Pay Clark Lee, Notre Dame. Pay Clark Lee whatever he wants. Do not lose him. If you do not pay him well, he is going to leave this season. I guarantee it. All right. 
So maybe it's a really good time for Notre Dame to get out of South Bend. They've had all this COVID shit. They've been locked in. They're probably having some sort of weird cabin fever, which happens anyway at Notre Dame. All right. And the team just doesn't look very excited right now. Get out of town. Get on a freaking airplane. Go to Pittsburgh. Go to Permanente Brothers. Get a sandwich with, you know, the French fries and the coleslaw mixed in. And if you haven't had one of those, got to go to the strip district and get one. I love the strip district. My sister-in-law used to live down there. It was great. Went in there all the time. Loved it. We're playing Pitt. Pitt historically has dragged us down. Pitt, you know, gridiron, Steel City kind of team. They just drag us down. I have so many angsty memories from watching Notre Dame play Pitt. BK, fortunately, does have a winning record versus Pitt. He is 5-1. and one. He played them in 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, which is his only loss at Pitt, 2015, and 2018. First, the 2018 game, the last time we played, I was so pissed because we were losing the game at halftime. I was so mad that I couldn't even watch the third quarter. At halftime, I went outside. I think I did some yard work and I changed the oil in my car. All right. I was so pissed off and I felt like I was wasting my time. Fortunately, we ended up having, we ended up winning the game. So it was all in vain. And I had my little, had to have my little panic attack moment there. But uh, yeah, that was the last memory I have of Notre Dame playing Pitt. I have been to two Pittsburgh games, once in 2018, the four-overtime sprinkler game. I went there with my dad. Uh, If you go uh, a couple weeks ago, I uh, mentioned that and uh, had the episode dedicated to him. And then in 2012, the three-overtime thriller was there with mom, dad, and of course the doc. So that was an amazing game. It required lots of wine afterwards. Notre Dame is playing Pitt, and... This week's toast is going out to my coworker, the Chev. He's going to be traveling through Pittsburgh. Uh, some, he mentioned something to me about being in Heinz Field's parking lot with some of the salsa that I make. It's award-winning salsa, by the way. And uh, going to be offering people some free salsa. Dude, I don't know where you got my recipe, but man, you don't have it yet. And I haven't made any. I'll probably make some next week at work. So if you're a coworker of mine, Probably Tuesday, Wednesday, wait for it. But this week, the toast is going to the Chev. Don't steal any street signs while you're there, by the way. Pittsburgh is coached by Pat Narduzzi, who's in his sixth season. Last year was 8-5 and five versus Kelly's 11-2. and two. Pittsburgh right now is 3-3. Three and three, And their record versus top 25 Sagarin teams is 0-1. They have one loss to Miami Hurricane. Notre Dame, their record against teams in the top 25 is 0-0. Zero zero. Shocker there. Pitt's record against Power 5 teams is 2-3. and three. Notre Dame, 3-0. and Narduzzi has a career winning percentage at Pittsburgh and total. He's only been at one place of 54%. Kelly is 72% at Notre Dame. Clearly better. Head-to-head, Kelly is 2-0 and versus Pat Narduzzi, so that's good. For your recruiting average, Notre Dame, 13.25. Pittsburgh, 46%. Right now, Pitt is ranked 58th in Sagarin with their record, but has a strength of schedule better than Notre Dame of 54 versus Notre Dame's 72nd. This is going to be a very, very interesting game. 
because Pittsburgh right now on paper has the number one rushing defense in the country. They average their opponents to 61 and a half yards. Notre Dame's rushing defense is 107. So it's going to be a very, I think, tight game in the trenches there. Third down defense, Notre Dame is still better. They're second in the country. Really good. Good job defense and scoring defense really good. Fourth. But Pittsburgh's not shabby. Their third down defense is 29% and their scoring defense is 20. All right. Their total defense is better than Notre Dame. Pittsburgh, total defense, 274 yards versus Notre Dame, 297. Total offense, Notre Dame better. That should be no surprise. We've beaten up on some cupcakes. But here's where it gets really interesting. Sacks per game. Pittsburgh averages 4.83 sacks per game. Louisville averaged 1.75 and got four. Is Pittsburgh going to have like 10 sacks against Book? God, I hope not. Tackles for loss also. Pittsburgh, third in the country, averages 11, 11 tackles for loss per game. Notre Dame averages eight. Pittsburgh is also winning on turnover margin. They're ranked eighth in the country versus Notre Dame, 36th. Notre Dame is better on third down, rushing yards, and pass defense as well. Pittsburgh's pass defense is 27th and allows, on average, 213 yards. So if I'm BK, I'm still going to stick to my running game. We know that is a recipe for success. Three things happen when you pass. Two of them are bad. And quite frankly, our passing, as I've explained tonight, is not very sexy at all. Therefore, stick to your strengths and go back to the tight end. Are we tight end, you? We've got Tommy Tremble. You could hand Tommy Tremble the ball on a jet sweep with Brock Wright as his lead blocker. That would be the most powerful run ever, okay? Free tip for you, Notre Dame, all right? Do something cool like that, all right? Grind it out. Beat the Panthers in their own house. Notre Dame is given a 74.1% chance of winning, so the probability is definitely in their favor, and they are given a margin of nine points. Notre Dame, please cover the spread, all right? You haven't done it for two weeks in a row. Can you please do that, all right? Score some freaking points, beat Pittsburgh. You have better talent. You have a better coach, right? And you, quite frankly, should be the better team. You are ranked third in the country. Pitt is unranked. If you go into Pitt and you lose, I'm going to lose my shit. Please don't do that, all right? Plus, I've got some skin in the game here, all right? My brother-in-law is a graduate of Pitt. He's got a got a doctorate in pharmacy, all right? He's got his undergrad from there as well. There's gonna there's bragging rights at stake here in my family. Do not lose to Pittsburgh. This team gives me anxiety so much to the point that before COVID, I was thinking of buying tickets to this and bring the family and endure that whole you know drama. That didn't happen. I'm going to be watching it on my couch on ABC. But hey, someone in my family is going to be happy, and I want it to be me. At the end of the day, we need to forget the Louisville game. Forget it happened. This is the one time I'm going to say forget about last week. Erase it from the chalkboard. Go back to basics. Run the ball, stop the run, engage the tight end. 
and put someone else back on punt return. All right, special teams is driving me up the wall. I can't believe we have no punt return threat. It's bullshit. Do those things, Notre Dame. Focus on those, and you will win. The passing will come. I really hope it comes, but it needs to come this week. It really needs to come this week. I know I'm kind of contradicting myself, but it needs to come this week. All right. I've also been drinking a couple scotches here. Notre Dame, you need to beat Pitt, get out there, kick their ass, and win. See ya.